right, you guys, how's it going? I'm Scott. March 8, 2017. Uh, you know, I only got one interview today, but it was Marcy Wheeler, so that's good. I'm uh, going to have to figure out something. Got some more interviews on the show for you guys here, man. Uh, but anyway, I have a few questions to answer that people had sent me. Uh, one was about defense and intelligence in Ancapistan. And, uh, you know, I really haven't spent too much time on this. Of course, you know, the easy answer is ask Bob Murphy. Uh, but I think the basic answer is without a central state, there's not much to take over. Who could try to take over this land? It's like Hornberger always jokes. So. Oh, yeah. No, the communists are coming or the Muslims are coming. And then once they get here, they're going to take control of this massive, most powerful government anyone has ever built anywhere. And then just think of all the spying and persecution they'll do. It'll be just like now, only with somebody else in charge. Um, but yeah, you know, I did see an argument that like, oh no, you can't abolish the CIA now. Just think about the blue bloody murder that the Israelis would get away with. Yeah, I tend to think of the CIA more as their helpers than a hindrance. But I guess there's a point there. Again, you know, I guess really... The, the deal is you got to get rid of the Pentagon and the State Department at the same time that you get rid of the CIA. That way the Israel lobby can cry all day, but there are no departments to accomplish the things that they need accomplished. You know, like overthrowing their neighboring governments and stuff like that. So, uh, Yeah, uh, it's not a very good answer, but that's my answer. All right, then. Uh, the CIA things, and we talked about this, uh, I talked about this with Marcy Wheeler on the show. Um, this The giant CIA leak there from WikiLeaks about their hacking tools, part of it is about their ability to hack into cars. And so that obviously brings up again the question, the sort of mystery, I guess, of what happened to Michael Hastings. Um as many of you know, uh, Michael Hastings was a longtime interviewee on this show about Iraq and Afghanistan. He covered both wars and did great at them. And he's a real muckraking kind of a guy. And, you know, he was working with Barrett Brown on all this um, Project PM and, and all these kinds of things, really going after him. He's a great reporter, a national security beat kind of a guy, deep state sort of a journalist, you know, and uh, he was in a single car crash in Los Angeles, 100 miles an hour or so into a palm tree, which did not budge. A very tragic death. And so the thing is, is, hey, it's suspicious, man, a single car accident, you know, come on. Uh, but the thing of it is, there's actually video of it. There was nobody ran him off the road or anything like that. But obviously the question was raised, it was a Mercedes, whether this, uh, or was it a BMW? I think it was a Mercedes. Uh, whether such a high-tech car could have been hacked and remote controlled. And Andy Greenberg from Forbes magazine, their technology writer there, he proved that yes, it could have been. Feasibly, technically speaking. Uh, yeah, this is the kind of thing that can be done, and including take control of the wheel, take control of the throttle, take control of the brakes, the transmission. 
Um, so uh, there's another part of this question on the suspicion side, which is that on page 64 and 65 of his book, The Operators, Hastings describes Stanley McChrystal's SAS guy, and I'd have to go back and reread the whole chapter, but he just goes by C on this page anyway, but it's McChrystal's SAS guy that was on his staff. That's the British Special Air Services. They're Delta Force, basically. Um, and he told Hastings that if you F us over on this article that he was writing for Rolling Stone that ended up getting McChrystal fired from the whole crew of them sitting around bad-mouthing the president and the vice president and senior staff at that meeting, uh, at that same meeting. If, if you F us over on this, I'll kill you, the guy says. He says, this guy will hunt you down and kill you, about the other guy with him. Anyway, if you look at my Twitter feed, I took a picture of the pages out of the book. If you want to read it exactly, I don't have the exact quote in front of me. I could, actually, I need to get the exact quote in front of me because there's something else that I wanted to show you, too. <clears throat> and this is the reason that I actually don't think that Hastings was murdered. Well, there's a couple reasons, but this is the main reason I don't think that Hastings was murdered. And that is because his brother doesn't think so. And his brother is not just, oh, some uh, propaganda regurgitating lackey from the other side of the country somewhere. His brother was in town, in Los Angeles, that weekend because he was very worried about Michael and was trying to help him get psychological help of one kind or another. And you know, the thing is, is Hastings, I don't know if y'all know this, he had lived through two wars, really. He wasn't a soldier, but he was a reporter in the Iraq and the Afghan wars. He saw some really bad stuff, and including in the Iraq war, his fiance, a woman named Andy, was machine gunned to death by Al-Qaeda out there. He wrote a book about that. And then in the Afghan war, he saw the aftermath of a suicide bombing at the gate of the base where he was. And, uh, you know, he'd really been through a lot, man. These wars are, they're pretty tough on people. Anyway, I'm sitting here paging down and paging down, trying to, oh, here, I'm, I'm in my right section now. So if you go to my Twitter feed, and you page down a bit, uh, you will find a conversation between me, James Corbett, and um, Robbie Martin about this yesterday. And uh, Corbett went and found this interview. This is the interview that you need to look at if you want to know more about this. Reckless and Inspired. An interview with journalists. No, pardon me. Reckless and Inspired, an interview with Jonathan Hastings about his brother, the journalist Michael Hastings. And this is at Uncouth Reflections, uncouthreflections.com. Reckless and Inspired, an interview with Jonathan Hastings about his brother, the journalist Michael Hastings. And I guess he just says, let me page down, I think it's right here. He says, well, let's start with the headlines. Well, anyway, go read. I want to read this whole thing to you. But basically, he was in the middle of a crisis. I know they said that he had no drugs or alcohol in his system, but his brother was saying that he was having some problems with some kind of detox. 
to dry out alcohol. I'm not saying that he was drunk that night. I'm not saying his brother says he was drunk that night, but just he was having some problems at that time. And anyway, so his brother came out there to L.A. to help him in this crisis, woke up in the morning and found out that he crashed his car at high speed and went... No, it's true. I mean, if you want to put together a, a circumstantial case the other way, he was really paranoid at the time. The neighbor lady told the journalist that he had tried to borrow her car that night, as he had been doing recently for apparently paranoia reasons, and that she told him, no, sorry, not tonight. Like, apparently she had a, a older, junkier, harder-to-remote-control kind of a car. I don't know. Um, but... You know what? His brother thought it was a suicide by car wreck, basically, here, guys. So what are you going to do? Same thing with his wife. They were very sad, but they weren't worried that he had been murdered by the state. And, you know, yeah, I guess confirmation bias all around, right? So if you want to say, well, they were just naive and couldn't fathom such a thing, and so this is their rationalization, then you can believe what you want. But I'm going to have to default and go with his brother on this. Oh, and Marcy was saying, did I say this part of it? Marcy was saying, whatever's in the hack, uh, the um, hack tools of the CIA that were leaked to WikiLeaks, um, whatever it says about that, that the CIA was developing this, this was after Hastings died anyway. Which, you know, it wouldn't have had to be the CIA. It could have been a private contractor. It could have been the JSOC. It could have been the SAS. It could have been a retired SAS guy. And his little buddy. Or who knows. If you want to make up stuff, you can come up with whatever you want. But anyway, I really like Michael Hastings. And uh, I think it's really too bad that he's dead either way. So that's my position on that. Um, and then somebody else asked me, well, what about Rwanda and what about Kosovo? And you know what? I told myself, but I forgot that I was going to go back and look this up. Because I read a great thing one time about not just Dutch responsibility for what had happened in Rwanda, but American responsibility for basically helping to set up the crisis and, you know, call out the uh, troops who were standing in between the factions at just the wrong moment and all this kind of crap. Man, I don't know where I'd ever find that. Maybe if I Googled my own damn name and Rwanda, I would find if I ever blogged about it or something. You know, I'm kind of picturing the article in my head, but it's not at any website I recognize. You know, it's more of like an obscure, a publication I wasn't that familiar with. But that it was such a great write-up about how, you know, of course the Empire was involved in that whole thing. And then, yeah, you know what? In a vacuum, all things being equal, um, no imperial interests, just moral ones. Could you send the army, you know, airborne, send a bunch of rangers to go and stop the Hutus from butchering the Tutsis for a moment? Maybe. But then what? You've just bought the security of the minority is now your responsibility in this faraway country forever? It's just outside the purview of the U.S. And you know what? Again... If, if we lived in a temporary, limited constitutional republic and all, all the USA was ever doing was, you know, ho-humming along and minding its own business and being a nice little free country, 
And then some insane genocide broke out in the world for some reason that had nothing to do with what we were doing, nothing that our government had caused. And that it would be really easy to stop and then leave again, probably, or something. Then we could have an argument. I'd still probably disagree with you, but we could at least have that argument. But that's never the case, is it? The fact of the matter is it's virtually guaranteed that wherever there's a problem, like a real violent massacre going on in the world, other maybe than in Burma, but geez, I don't want to acquit them. I don't know. Maybe Burma's their fault too. Um, But even in the Congo, you know, where you would think, well, there's a horrible crisis that's been going on for a long time that's not our fault. Of course it's our fault. Well, the USA government, imperial government's intervention over there backing one side or another and all these things. Rwanda and Uganda and the rest of them all have puppet dictators or they just did or they're about to again. Um, but anyway, so that's the answer to Rwanda. And then Kosovo, I mean, hey man, I don't know what to tell you other than what a hoax. The lesson of Kosovo is that Bill Clinton is George W. Bush. He just lied and pretended that 100,000 men, women, and children had been murdered in some big Rwanda-type genocide as an excuse to intervene and break Kosovo province away from Serbia. And it turned out the whole thing was fake. And there were a few thousand killed in the war, but they were killed after America started intervening. And when all the investigators went to find the mass graves of the 100,000 innocent men, women, and children, civilians, who'd been butchered, they didn't exist. Oh, yeah, they buried them all in that mine shaft down there. No, they didn't. There's nobody in the mine shaft. Oh, they threw them all in that big pit over the hill. There's nobody in the big pit over the hill. As uh, John Pilger wrote, and he was standing right there, the FBI went home after two weeks. They couldn't find any bodies. The whole thing had uncovered about 3,000 bodies, and they were men, fighting-age males, quite likely many of them fighters. Certainly some of them must have been collateral damage, right? But none of them had been just massacred civilians, you know, prisoners lined up against the wall and shot or any such thing, or even, you know... Bodies from civilian neighborhoods that had been carpet bombed or anything like that. It just didn't happen. The whole thing was fake. And they used it to um, not just break Kosovo away from Serbia, but do it over Russia's dead body. Well, do it literally, I guess, over the Soviet Union's dead body. And over Russia's inability to do anything about it when that, those are their allies. The Serbs over there. And, of course, just like uh, in the battle for Bosnia, uh, four or five years before, well, five or six years before, um, America was backing the Mujahideen, the leftover Mujahideen, including Al-Qaeda guys from Ronald Reagan's Holy Jihad in Afghanistan. And probably the single best source on this is Brendan O'Neill. And, you know, me and him had a little bit of a falling out after he took Israel's side in the Gaza thing in 2014, the Gaza massacre of 2014, and even accused critics of being anti-Semites arguing in bad faith, which was just incredible to me. 
Um, but man, is he good on Bill Clinton back in Al-Qaeda in Bosnia and Kosovo. Really good. Really, really good. And um, I have a passage or so about that in my book coming out soon. Uh, not too much, just sort of an aside. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the KLA, they were tied to the Bin Ladenites too. And uh, their leader, Thacy, ended up, you know, was an absolute war criminal, kidnapping people and murdering them, stealing their organs and stuff. It's a nightmare over there. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I mean, Kosovo was nothing but Bill Clinton's Iraq. Uh, based on lies, uh, based on the false premise. Also, look at the precedent they set that, yeah, they don't need Russia and China and France to vote to have a little consensus and go along on the Security Council to start a war. If it's a war that they want to do, but Russia disagrees, well, they'll just use NATO and do it anyway. And I'm not saying I'm for the UN. In fact, I'm for completely repealing America's Participation Act in the UN altogether and kicking them the hell out of the US but I'm just saying it's kind of noteworthy how important the heroic international the liberal order is to America that the entire theory of the UN world of law for the war power goes out the window as soon as it's one they want to do that they can't get the security council to go along with so, anyway, not that I'm for the UN, but just that they're hypocrites. Um, I think the UN is much more harm than good. It obligates us to intervene in situations that have nothing to do with us. So, yeah. All right. So, I think those are all the questions for the day. So, um, here's my question for you Will you go and buy The War State by Mike Swanson? Will you sign up for his Wall Street window? Investment advice. How about that Darren's coffee? Do you like to drink it? Uh, do you run a business? Maybe need some stickers for your business. Go to thebumpersticker.com. And Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. If you're a libertarian, then probably you know that you, well, hell, if you're anybody with a pulse and more than a tiny bit of money, you know you need at least 10% of it in metals. If you're a bug like me, but you actually have more than a tiny bit of money, uh, then you might want much more than that. You go to Roberts and Roberts Brokerage Inc. That's rrbi.com, Roberts and Roberts Brokerage Inc. And you know, man, the rest of the sponsors, you hear them, Rye Guys t-shirts and whatever. Go look, they're all on the margin there at scotthorton.org. I'm making excuses because I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Um, but yeah, do that. Thank you. Um, and by the way, I got a message from somebody that said, hey, Scott, it was great to hear you again. It's been a long time since uh, you put a show out there. I guess you're busy writing your book. And I realized that, you know what, there are people who don't know that I've still been doing interviews this whole time. You know I've been doing interviews this whole time. It's because I haven't been posting shows on the whole show feed. You know that if you go to slash interviews that there's always interviews. Did you think I stopped interviewing people? Ah, jeez. I got too many podcast feeds. It's my fault. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Slash interviews for the interviews. Slash show for this stuff.
the questions and answers. Email me, scott at scotthorton.org, or uh, tweet me at scotthortonshow if you want me to answer your question on here. Thanks.